Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm Doug Trimble, and I'm delighted to be invited to share with you this morning. In her book, Mudhouse Sabbath, Lauren Winters reflected on the many calendars in our lives. Beyond the ordinary one, some find the fiscal calendar most important in their work. Many orient their lives around the school calendar. Ms. Winters longed for the day when the church calendar is the most real to her. In that light, the new year started five weeks ago with the beginning of Advent. So today, permit me to wish you a happy 10th day of Christmas tide. My wife, Marg, and I serve as missionaries in Lahore, Pakistan, and I was delighted when Jim contacted us with the good news that Ridley Park is our newest part of our prayer and support team. Thank you for partnering with us for the gospel. I recall fondly a dozen years ago when we were members of Central Presbyterian in Downingtown and our pastors, Jim Thomas and Pat Hartsock, came to our house to help us discern God's calling uh, to Pakistan and to pray with us in our living room. This morning, I want to share with you our ministry in light of today's passage from 2 Corinthians that has served Margie and me as a key passage for our ministry. Margie, our children and I spent five years in Pakistan as, Pres as Presbyterian mission co-workers. In 2008, we moved to Lahore with our three children, aged 11, nine, and six. I was an administrator at Foreman Christian College and taught an occasional psychology class. We, re we returned to the States in 2013 when my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Over the seven years that we've been home, our son Calvin graduated from Messiah College in engineering. He and his wife Priscilla live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Our daughter Anna is in her senior year at Houghton College in Western New York, where she studies biology. Kate, our youngest, is pursuing graphic design at Messiah University. My father passed away a couple years ago and Mar Margie and I are on the precipice of being empty nesters. We know that God opens doors and he closes doors. He opened the door to ministry in Pakistan and he closed it. In his perfect timing, God has opened the door again and has called Margie and me to return to Pakistan. We have returned to Lahore, which is a massive city of 11 million. At Foreman Christian College, I serve as vice rector which is the chief academic officer of the university. I supervise the deans, who supervise the department chairs, who supervise the faculty. Last time, when we were sent by God to Pakistan, we took our children, but this time they have remained back. So please pray for us about this, that God would keep them safe as we are 7,000 miles east of here. Today's Bible passage in 2 Corinthians has been important to Margie and me as we have discerned God's call on our lives. It might be helpful to keep the passage open before you as we talk about it this morning. As many of you know, Pakistan is, is an Islamic Republic where 96% of the population are Muslim. Although it is legal to be a Christian, it is illegal to convert somebody to Christianity. Some might be wondering how we are able to go to Pakistan uh, to work at a Christian university. As it turns out, Foreman Christian College is older than the country of Pakistan itself. Foreman Christian College was founded by Presbyterian missionary Charles Foreman in 1864. 
Originally part of India, Pakistan became a country in 1947 when the British partitioned the two countries and gave them each independence. 88% of the students at Foreman Christian College are Muslim and 12% of them are Christian, are Christian. Given that only 2% of the population is Christian in Pakistan, having 12% Christian students is quite an accomplishment. Another accomplishment is that women make up 45% of the university students at Foreman Christian College. Before we turn our attention to today's scripture, allow me to tell you the story of Kamala and her family. Christians in Pakistan face tremendous persecution and discrimination. The only work that Kamala's father was able to get was that of washing cars. That sort of work doesn't pay well in America and certainly not in Pakistan. The blessing but challenge for him was that his daughter is very intelligent. In Pakistan, students take tests at the end of the school year to see what they have learned and if they can proceed to the next class. And in that test, Kamala topped her class. The problem now was how to afford to send her to university on his meager salary. In Pakistan, student loans are not available. On faith, Kamala's father sold his motorcycle to pay for her entrance fees without knowing where the funds would come for her tuition. I'll come back to her story a little bit later. Now, let's unpack today's scripture that we read together. I invite you to keep it open in front of you as we refer to it. I'm starting in verse 14 of chapter two in 2 Corinthians. But thanks be to God. I love how Paul, Paul opens this passage with thanksgiving. He was writing to the Corinthian church with whom he had had conflict. There was a group in the church who were claiming to be super apostles and Paul was opposing their arrogance. Yet he keeps the attention on God and Christ's sufficiency. We are thankful for the opportunity to live and serve in Pakistan. We haven't gone out of dread or feelings of obligation. No, rather we are thankful for this opportunity to be Christ's ambassadors in a country where Christian workers often have difficulty obtaining visas. Verse 14 continues, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. We are captivated by Christ's love. The image that Paul uses here is of a general returning victorious from battle. The general would have paraded into the city with his soldiers and with the vanquished captives. The analogy is that Christ has defe defeated death and Satan with his victory on the cross and that we have been liberated. We, as believers, get to join in Jesus's victory parade. One thing that they have done, um, one thing that they would have done to celebrate would be to have tossed sweet smelling spices into the air. This leads us to the next pass, portion of the passage. Verse 14 concludes, and through us spreads the knowledge of him everywhere. This is the heart of the passage this morning. What can we make of this? God's heart is for the knowledge of him to spread everywhere. This reflects the beautiful mission heart of God who is calling people from all parts of the globe to know him. We first see God's missionary heart in Genesis 12. 
where God made a covenant with Abram to bless all people through Abram's descendants. And what is the mechanism by which this happens? In some cases, it's the direct preaching of the word. As happens in the pulpit from cross, that happens in the pulpit from churches across the globe. Sometimes it takes the form of someone having coffee with a friend and sharing their faith story with that other person. And other times it takes an aroma. This brings us to the main topic I want to explore this, mo this morning. We are the aroma of Christ. Paul continues in verse 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. We are the aroma of Christ. But what do we know about aromas? First of all, we know that people have different reactions to the same aroma. Aromas function as signals. They do this by associations that we have built up over the years with particular smells. For example, our mouths start to water at the smell of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies because we know they were about to have a tasty treat. Aromas, however, vary from pleasant to pungent and from fair to foul. Do you like the smell of a fresh rose on a summer afternoon? How about the aroma of bacon frying? That's one of my favorites. How about coffee brewing first thing in the morning? I'm not a coffee drinker, so that's not a great smell for me. I much prefer chai. I'm sure that many of you, however, coffee is a great smell. How about spicy Indian food, which by and large is the same as Pakistani food? Now we're talking. Mm. But for some of you, the association you have for the aroma of curry spice is unpleasant because you can't stomach the spicy hot food. I, on the other hand, love the smell because I associate it with sumptuous feasts in Pakistan. I think we can all agree that the smell of skunk is repulsive. But wait, I thought that that was a truism until I met one of my son's roommates from college who described the odor of a skunk as a bit minty, and thus he didn't object to it whatsoever. Psychologist Rachel, Rachel Hers reports that the US military attempted to create a stink bomb to disperse crowds. They needed a, spell, a smell that was, everyone found repulsive, but they failed in their attempt. They failed because there is no universally repugnant smell. This should be encouraging to us as Christians as we apply the truth of this verse. As we live out our lives before those in our spheres of influence, we can expect different reactions. Some will be attracted to our love as we are the image of Christ to them, and others will be offended by the love we express. We should take solace in the parable of the soils that Jesus told. When the seed was sown, some fell on the path, some on rocks, some, are, some in thorns, and some fell in good soil. The same gospel message is received by those who, whom we encounter in different ways. To some will be the aroma of death and to others, 
the aroma of life. Some workplaces have fragrance-free zones. Why do they exist? They exist because the perfume that one person wears that they find pleasant causes a negative reaction in a colleague, whether it's disgust or an allergic reaction. Rather than have conflict in the workplace about whether the fragrance is pleasant or not, the company will ban all, of, all fragrances. This just shows different reactions to the same fragrance. What is the aroma of life? What is the aroma of death? Let me start with a story of the aroma of death from our time in Pakistan. In Lahore, there are upscale markets to buy clothes or shoes or household goods. And then there are the bustling crowded markets that the local Pakistanis use every day to buy their clothes, shoes, and household goods. These are, of course, the places to get the best prices on goods. One such market, Ichara Market, is nearby the campus of Foreman Christian College, where we had a house on campus. One Saturday afternoon, we visited Ichara to buy fabric to make some curtains. Upon entering a shop, I greeted a shopkeeper with the usual assalamu alaikum, which means peace be upon you. The shopkeeper looked at me and asked if I was a Muslim. When I told him that I was a Christian, he scolded me for using that greeting. I politely asked him if it would be better for me to have said hello. But he was offended with that greeting too because the first four letters spell hell. As he, uh, at that point, the shop became very tense uh, with conflict. So Margie, the children and I quickly departed. We got in our van and we drove straight home. We were thankful that we had not been followed. To that shopkeeper, clearly our faith is in Christ was the aroma of death. We are also the aroma of life. The Greek word here is something translated, uh, is sometimes translated in verse 15 as pleasing aroma. I love this translation, pleasing aroma. Um, it can also be rendered good smell. This term is found only here in the New Testament. This phrase, good smell, brings me back to the story of Kamala that I shared with you earlier. I started that story about her father and helping her gain admission or helping pay her fees. Although Kamala's father had no idea where the many money would come for her for, for her tuition, in faith, he sold his motor, motorcycle to pay for her admission. Through the generosity of a Christian couple in America, her tuition was paid for for her for four years so that she can complete her college degree. Margie, the children and I were able to visit her and her family. This family lived a simple life, just making ends meet. When we ascended to their second story apartment, um, we met the rest of her family. Kamala has now graduated. She has landed a job right out of college as an accounts officer. The education she was able to get at Foreman Christian College is benefiting not only her, but her whole family. It has a ripple effect. When we visited her house, we met another member of her family who was also benefiting, her cousin who was living with them. Her cousin, her cousin has a very fitting name. Her name is Hushbu, which translated means good smell. What a wonderful name. This is exactly what Paul meant as a pleasing aroma. The second thing that we know about aromas is the importance of proximity. This was demonstrated during the children's sermon that Margie did. 
you could see online that the items that Anna and Kate were trying to smell, but you couldn't smell them because you weren't in close proximity. This is an important principle that we can take from the analogy Paul is using here. As the aroma of Christ, we can't have influence far away. We can't have the same influence far away that we can have close by. Even in these times of social distancing, we need to put ourselves in places where we can have a positive influence on those around us. I have two stories to illustrate this principle from our time in Pakistan. One day, a student came to my office and needed to talk. I'll call his name Khuram. He came from a Christian family, but he had abandoned his faith. Why? Because his sister had recently died of a coma. He could not understand how this could have happened if there is a loving God who created us. Many pastors had paraded through her hospital room, had prayed loudly over, her, over his sister, imploring God for healing. Chodem too had poured out his heart in prayer for his sister's healing and was devastated when she died. As you can imagine, I didn't have any magic words to say. I didn't have any special advice to dispense to, so that the pain would go away. But I knew that I was called to listen lovingly and to pray. Years later, I received an email from Khurram thanking me for the time we spent together. He had rediscovered his faith in Jesus. I certainly had not had any special wisdom to impart that day years ago, but I was there. I was available. I was accessible because I was Christ's ambassador in my role at Foreman Christian College. If I had not been on site, that pivotal conversation would never have happened. Being the aroma of Christ means being in close proximity to those who need the love of Jesus Christ. The other story that illustrates the value of proximity involves my wife, Margie. Our children attended an American school when we lived in Lahore. It's legal to be a Christian in Pakistan, and there are churches there. There's even a Bible Society bookstore downtown in Lahore. However, most residents of Lahore can't shop there because if they did or even considered it, they would be shunned by their families quite likely being killed by their relatives for dishonoring the family. It is in this context that the request Margie received was particularly interesting. Over, uh, over a few years, Margie had gotten to know one of the children's teachers who is Pakistani. One afternoon, she pulled Margie aside for a private conversation and asked her quietly if Margie could buy her a Bible. That would have been impossible for her to do on her own. But it was easy for Margie to go to the Bible Society and buy her one. The next week, Margie delivered the precious gift to her friend with the Bible discreetly wrapped in a plastic bag. Here again is a story that illustrates the power of proximity. If we hadn't moved to Lahore and sent our children to the local school, Margie would never have had the opportunity to get the word of God into the hands of somebody seeking to know him better. Just like an aroma has an effect when we are in close proximity, we too have an, have an impact when we go to the places that God calls us, even if they are far away and seem difficult to reach. Today's passage ends in verse 
16 and 17. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Permit me to highlight the end of verse 16 and the end of verse 17. Margie and I hardly feel worthy of God's calling to minister in Pakistan, but we know that God equips those whom he calls. And as you can tell, I'm not a pastor or a trained theologian. Rather, I have worked in academia my whole career. And who knew that God would send me halfway around the world to be the aroma of Christ at a university? Foreman Christian College is strategically located in the heart of Pakistan and models for the nation how Muslims and Christians can work together, study together, and live together in harmony. I'll end with a story that illustrates this perfectly. In a neighborhood in Lahore, a dispute broke out between a Christian man and his Muslim neighbor. A riot ensued and the homes of a hundred Christians were burned to the ground, as well as two churches. In the aftermath, students at Foreman Christian College decided to raise funds and collect clothing for those who lost their homes. Two of my psychology students stopped by my office to solicit donations. And this was a perfect example of interfaith harmony because one of the students was a Christian and the other, her best friend, was a Muslim. They were united in their commitment to help those in need. Margie and I can't go alone. We need your prayer support. We have been reading from 2 Corinthians, uh, from 2 Corinthians this morning. So if you could turn back to 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 1 and verse 11. In chapter 2, uh, excuse me, in chapter 1, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians, Paul implored the Corinthians to pray for his ministry. He says, so you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So uh, our prayer for you this morning is that you too will be the aroma of Christ wherever God takes you. We know that aromas have an influence when they are in close, close proximity. And we know that some respond positively and some negatively to the same aroma. It is our calling to be the aroma of Christ wherever we find ourselves as we follow God's leading.